0: You might want to listen to this before your kids do. Uh-oh. Yeah, It's one of those shows. Yeah, it's Uh-oh. one of them shows. Kids, you might want to have your parents listen to this before you do. <laughs> <laughs> Trigger warning. Jamming, desensitizing, and conversion? Is it safe to bring the family in? Bake a cake or shave my testicles? Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. What? You got no choice. That was quick. We win. We win. We we tried. We we tried to (laughs) warn you. Yeah, we did. Hey, all right, y'all. Welcome to cross Politics on the Fight Laugh Feast Network. Pastor Toby, Chuck Knox, Water Boy. It's good to be with you guys. And club members. We actually uh, are upgrading mugs, uh, pints. I, wa- I keep on to say mugs. These are not mugs. pints. Yes. Um, we had a little problem. We actually, my wife uh, hand washed and put these through the dishwasher and the label started coming off. And yeah. So we're like, we can't, we can't send that out.
1: We don't serve up that kind of yeah. stuff for our club members. So we you actually, know. what we did Neither was
0: know. we went back to the company and they're shipping out laser engraved etched pints. So the quality is actually even way better. So th-
1: this, these are going to be glorified post-millennial Yeah. glasses. You can pass these down to your grandchildren, your Mm. great grandchildren, put them in your will. Mm. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) go.
2: And and if you were holding
1: out, you were like, I don't know about the quality yet. I'm not sure if I'm going to join yet. Now you can join. Mm. Now you can join. If you're waiting, if you're holding out. Now yeah. you can join, yeah. become a member, and for a limited time while supplies last, yep. you can get a laser-engraved version of this pint glass. And, and
0: all the club members that join in July, they're, we're probably going to start shipping out around August 15th yep. and everything. So, so, so
1: hold your horses. Hold be, tight. Be patient. It's it's, it's, and
0: as you guys' supporting our coming. show has been awesome. I mean, the support that's happened this Praise summer God. has oh, been yeah. incredible. You guys have been awesome. F- please flood us with club memberships.
3: Uh, is that David Bonson's book? It is. He's going
0: to be on the show. We also have David Bonson coming on the show and Tom Buck, Pastor Tom Buck. So we got two interviews for you guys coming up,
1: coming. And
0: Tom's going to be at G Three.
1: That's right. Where we're going to be. Yeah. And hopefully that's where you're going to be. Yeah. Doing a couple shows out
0: there. Back in Jan, up in January 2020.
1: Okay. G Three conference. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Check it out. So uh, this last week, uh, actually, it might have been a week and a half ago. Um, both uh, Mike Pompeo and Vice President Pence actually mentioned early rain church oh yeah in yeah, yeah. china we talked about and, him before on the show and you remember pastor yi wang is it's wang yi uh, wang yi yeah i'm uh, dyslexic i can't really, I can't really call that. Mm. And, uh you remember he's still in prison yeah is he? with no charges yeah. have been brought against him, yeah uh in fact they're looking at additional charges right so he, he doesn't even know what to defend himself so he's been in prison for i think it's a whole year now right in China, yeah. So we wanted just bring, we wanted to flag this for you guys to yep. keep praying for early rain. Don't forget about them, yeah. And I was grateful to see both Mike, Mike Pompeo and, and VP Pence that actually just, pick up the topic. I mean, that that means, it's means it's pretty serious. That means, it, it is it's serious. serious. It's That's serious. serious. Yeah. Yeah. So check them out That's if right.
1: you're not familiar with what's going on with Early Rain Church. Um, it, it's a it, it's important, it's significant, and 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 it, check out some of the p- the clips of Pastor Wang Yi preaching. Yes. Um, before he was arrested, I mean, he knew what he was doing. Yep. Faithful man of God, yep. and we need more like. Him. That's right. In America.
0: That's right. Amen. Amen. So if if you guys paid attention. (laughs) I don't know why
3: anybody would. Is it safe to bring... Am I old enough to do this show? So we went... I know. (laughs) know, (laughs)
0: Parents. Parents. We're going (laughs) PG-13 now. Yeah, yeah. We're going PG-13. So uh, Eric Erickson pointed out uh, last week, or this week actually, he said, um, how did we get um, from uh, forcing people to bake cakes... Bake my cake. To forcing people to shave um, uh, lesbian man balls. uh, No. uh, Get a waxing on the... On the balls there. What? Yeah. Um,
1: Canadian because- transgender activist Jonathan Yaniv, mm-hmm. fat man in
0: a dress. <laughs> yes. He, he calls him. He calls himself a trans act- activist. Yeah. He calls himself a proud lesbian, and and he's behind this. There's this. He put out this discrimination complaint where he la- launched against 16 beauticians, 16, for refusing to wax his male parts. Yes. His male genitals. As as can now be revealed after, so the, the the BC Human Rights Tribunal lifted an interim publication ban last week during Niv's Yaniv's uh, latest Wednesday hearing. So Yaniv is representing himself in this hearing right. in the court. So this went public that he's actually suing or or um, does, does it say suing um uh, uh discriminate. He launched a discrimination complaint against sixteen beauticians who refused to wax his balls because he's wanting to basically play it out like he's some sort of trans woman
3: uh, did he go to any guys to try and ask them or did he just went sp- specifically well,
0: to Here, here's another piece
1: of the story that's that's even more crazy so that's okay just connect those dots bake my cake yeah. do this indecent thing to me yep. you must do it or else you're discriminating yep. against me yep. Okay, there's the reductio being run yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: i can't get service they yeah. treat me like i'm black
1: Eggs. that's the that's the card he's trying to play okay okay then he, um, just recently he, he filed oh, a yeah. request with That's the right. township of Langley. This is in British Columbia. Yep. This, the, Canadians. What's, yeah. Wait, it's coming our way. It's coming. This is- but, um, he, um, asked permission to host a quote topless LGBT swim party for people ages <laughs> 12 and up at the municipalities, the public, public swimming pool. I said public twice for some reason. He's also requesting that parents be quote, Prohibited from attending the event where twelve year old <laughs> girls will be present. Wow. The, the actual um request is here. It's if there's a screenshot, this is at lifesightnews.com. You can find the actual request in which it actually says parents and caretakers will be prohibited from attending these events as it's considered safe and inclusive. Wow. The Incredible. reason why parents can't come is because it's safe. Yeah. <laughs> and you parents aren't safe. This is gonna be so safe. Parents can't be there. 12 and up. 12 and up. Topless. Topless. Yes. He's a guy. And he's going to sponsor this. And he wants
3: lesbians yeah. there.
0: And, and, and here's the thing. Even if he doesn't get this, this pool sponsorship event, uh, they allow him to do it. He's still winning because no one no one's coming out and, and uh, speaking of the lunacy of what this guy's doing. Right. Everyone's taking him seriously. The complaints, the tribunal, human right. rights tribunal court. And they're taking him seriously.
1: And the thing is is that I mean the story goes on. The uh, he's been reported numerous times mm-hmm. for um basically um he, he goes into chat rooms with girls, young yeah. girls and is oh. all kinds of disgusting yeah. and foul and he's been reported a number of times for harassment.
4: Oh.
1: Yeah. Um and, and but but no, nobody can do anything. Because he's a girl? Be-
0: because whatever i mean he's right
1: because yes because he has he has basically he's carried the whole the reductio all the way to the end and said if what you're saying is true Mm -hmm. yeah then you can't do anything about it and there are many women upset many feminists angry Yeah, Yeah. yeah yeah um and and he's but he's saying Neener, Neener, right. Come and get me.
0: So so I wasn't being crass when I said, How did we get from bake my cake to shave my testicles? Right. No. Because that is actually where we're at. That's
1: That's where we are. And and so we're not trying to be needlessly crass or obscene here. Right. We're just we we, you have to we have to see this is the play.
0: You have to make that connection.
1: And I mean this Mm -hmm. is why it's so significant when we're I mean, all the downgrading of language. There's there's a we talk about this a lot. We got this from Pastor Doug Wilson. Um the the battle is over the dictionary. that's right. The meaning of words. And, and this goes back to why we care so much about the revoice stuff that's and the right. homosexuality thing. It's coming. Because when we downgrade yeah. this to same-sex attraction, I'm saying that's even a downgrade. It is. Yeah, we right. need to be calling it homosexual lust, yeah. Yeah. sodomite temptation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We need to call it what the Bible calls it because what we're talking about, and again, I'm, I'm not trying to be needlessly crass. We're talking about men who want to have anal intercourse yeah. right. with other men. Yeah. Right. Which is foul and disgusting and obscene and it's an abomination. Yeah, and i right. I mean, that's what we're talking about. Right.
0: Absolutely. And, and so you gotta stay with us here for a minute. We're gonna walk you through <laughs> the you, play that's can, being run. If you can handle it, yeah. if you can bear it. We're gonna walk you through the play so, being run. You, you gotta comment? You no, know, no, I just want
3: to set okay. this up. So we're about to play some clips from Vody. And so this okay. this is very important because Gay is the new black. He gay is not the new black. He did a it's talk not. on that. We had um, him come in here to Idaho to do that. And he in this talk. He talks about the process in which that they're getting us to move down the road to accept this mess.
1: It's the same kind of play that I, I read to Andrew Clavin when I was talking That's to him about right. the article right. um, mm-hmm. from Front Page Magazine with um, with Molly Millet and uh, and Kate Millet mm-hmm. uh, or Mallory Millet and, and and it's the same kind of thing. These he's quoting from people yep. who are who wrote down their plan yep. yeah. to basically take down traditional American families.
3: So I was to say this: is a Marshall Kirk and Hunter Matson. Wrote a book after the ball. Now, these are people. After the ball. After the ball. You got to get this. Well, listen, here's the subtitle. How America Will Overcome Its Fear and Hatred of Gays in the Decade of the 90s. So this was written back in 1988. And then they had a little meeting of of their action plan. And they released the book in 1989. And these are two professors from Harvard. Pay attention to this.
1: Professors from Harvard.
3: Professors from Harvard. One of them is a psychologist. And the other one is a a professor in marketing.
5: Oh, Mm. okay ready by the way these are also the three steps in brainwashing Um, desensitizing jamming and conversion Mm. this was their strategy and this was their goal desensitizing what is that Um, to desensitize straights to gays and gayness inundate them in a continuous flood of gay related advertising presented in the least offensive fashion possible if straights can't shut off the shower, they may at least eventually get used to being wet. Ooh. Just Ooh. overwhelm them with images of homosexuality.
1: With How? many sermons.
5: Um, movies, TV shows, mm-hmm. commercials, outed actors and athletes. These are incredibly important.
1: Notice notice both gays and gayness. Yep. What we're talking about is two words that you can find in 1 Corinthians 6, which is both those who practice sodomy homosexuality yeah, yeah. and the malachoy those who are soft mm-hmm. or effeminate we're talking mm-hmm. about both the acts of homosexuality and the culture that surrounds it it makes yeah.
3: them good it's always the, the it best no- looking
1: guy normalizes yeah, 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 it
3: right it's always the guy who's the best friend he's always there for you it's always, yeah. they're
1: always the good people he's nice he's, he's friendly nice. he's yep, understanding yep. greg johnson mm.
5: the second step in the process jamming Accuse religious people. Gays can use talk to muddy the, uh, the moral waters. That is, to undercut the rationalizations that justify religious bigotry and to jam some of its psychic rewards. Here's what you do in jamming. What, what you do basically is you take something that people hate, so the KKK, skinheads, the Nazis, and you equate that with being against homosexuality. And then you take something that people like, strong masculinity, and you equate that with being gay. Now all of a sudden when people think what they normally think, they have checks. Uh This is why when pastors preach on homosexuality, overwhelmingly they start their sermons in ways that they wouldn't start any other sermon. Can you imagine this? A pastor is getting ready to preach on adultery and he says, listen, before I preach this message, I want you to know I don't hate adulterers.
1: And, and that's because Man, they've, been jammed. Jammed. they've been jammed they've been wow. jammed yes
5: both desensitize- desensitization and jamming though extremely useful are mere preludes to our highest though necessarily long-range goal conversion. which is conversion mm. conversion is not about making people homosexuals it isn't enough that anti-gay bigots should become conf- uh, confused about us or even indifferent to us we are safest in the long run if we can actually make them like us.
4: Mm-hmm.
0: This
5: is the goal of conversion—to change your opinion about homosexuals.
0: So, so notice desensitizing. There's little drip campaign, yeah, d- d- little drip right, marketing campaign, right? right? And, and then and then jamming your your uh, conflating issues and, and con- you're f- confusing them, con- con- yep. conflating and confusing them. And then the goal is conversion. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yep.
1: Yeah. And it's humanizing yeah. it too. It's it, part a, of the that, jamming process you know, is humanizing Normalizing it. and yeah. in, in some worlds we call it grooming. Yeah, and that well oh, that's right. And you notice yeah.
3: that how it's the black strong athletes that they've been using mm. because they have the black side with it. This this is the problem yes. with the homosexual movement. They have been Trojan horsed in through the social justice stuff. Yeah. Through that's they right, know yeah. what they're doing. Yes, so they black do. strong athletes. We like those guys. Yeah. Oh, he's gotta be good.
5: Yeah. Listen, again, these are the authors themselves. Please don't confuse conversion with political subversion. By conversion, we actually mean something far more profoundly threatening to the American way of life, without which no truly sweeping social change can occur. We mean conversion of the average American's emotions, mind, and will through a planned psychological attack, in the form of propaganda fed to the nation through the media and the schools.
1: Wow. Wow. Um, Designed
5: to make the younger generation among us blame the church for homosexuality. Well, if we just love them more. Well, if we were just more open. Well, if we were only. See, this is what young people now believe about homosexuality. The problem is not the homosexual. The problem is Christianity. If mm. Christianity was just better, then we wouldn't have the problems
1: that we have. Oh. Folks, these are people who've been desensitized, jammed, and converted. Wow. The church. Yeah. This uh, is this yeah. is what Ligon Duncan said uh, on the um on the Shepherd's Conference panel. You remember yeah. that when yeah, he when the was earthquake pressed happened? It, when he, remember <laughs> that? Um it, remember he he said his concern was the kids. That's right. We're losing the kids because they believe that the church has not been gracious and kind. And has and not addressed these social justice issues. Yeah. everything from race to sexuality. We're actually
3: right. losing the kids because we let them sit in front of Disney all day, and then we send them to government schools. We send them to public oh, schools this, all year. The media, yeah. the media's desensitizing. Like, yeah, and then we have the we education, jam right? And and so yeah. it's. It, I hope that that previous clip before the one we just played. I hope you said, "Baby, get our kids out the government school. Yeah, yeah. Get our kids out." Right. That's how they're winning. So, so
0: categorically, you look at desensitizing yeah. is like the media, Disney, yeah, all right, stuff, yeah. and jamming is the public schools. Right? So, so that, I, the, the public schools are, well, are and, and part of it too, jamming though, right? them for twelve years. But part of the play also is that
1: they don't mind at all having the extremists like Yaniv, fat man in the dress, yeah, yeah. right, who's making the beauticians do wants to make them do awful, disgusting, perverted things. Um, th- that they don't mind that extreme because then they can, th- what they're doing is you, you, you hit the extreme yeah. and then you say, no, I, all I want is just have to, a gay identity, but I won't act on it.
4: That's right. Yeah. I'll
1: be gay and celibate. I was like, well, right. okay. I- I'm not asking for that. That's yeah. gross. Yeah. That's, that's bad. Too that's, too much. That's, that's awful. Too much. I would never do yeah. that. Yeah. Right. But notice the play though. The play is uh, that complete radical conversion yeah. of what did he say? Emotions, mind. It will. It will. I mean, all like, part, soul, and mind. Yeah, we want it all. <laughs> yeah. And we, we we do it by playing the whole gamut. Yeah. yeah.
3: And it doesn't stop here. This, I, I, I remember know. talking to uh, Jeff Schaefer about this. And one of the things I asked him about with Obergefell, I was like, I have, how much further down before we hit the bottom? I remember him telling me, listen, buddy, we're at the bottom. <laughs>
4: yeah.
3: It only goes out from here. Right. It yeah. only goes out. And so yep. what? the, and I remember this happening when Obergefell hit, everybody said, welcome pedophilia next
1: yeah and it wasn't i mean how long was how long has it been what two years since well about? we people have been raising
0: 2015 this, so we've been two saying years.
1: this over and over again with the revoice thing right and everybody says it's a completely different thing we say what if somebody says i have deep unchanging uh a predisposed uh attractions to
0: children but i won't act on I, them i'm glad you brought that up can i be it, a pastor they're saying it right now what
6: Pedophilia is the actual sexual interest regardless of whether a person buries it and never tells a soul and never does anything about it their entire life, or if they actually act on it. Pedophiles are arguably the most demonized people in society. New research is showing that understanding them is the first step in lowering instances (laughs) of child sexual abuse. Understand. Mm -hmm. Pedophilia expert Dr. James Cantor's groundbreaking and controversial hypothesis that pedophilia is a developmental disorder in the brain, resulting in sexual attraction to children, attempts to demystify the causes of pedophilia. This documentary does not seek to vilify or condemn pedophiles, or to (coughs) undermine the concerns and fears of parents and society, but rather to understand pedophilia and its cause. I, Pedophile.
1: Now, now, it, this isn't. This is actually on any this like
0: mainstream.
1: Is, this is on
0: Amazon. This, now,
3: just I just want you to Amazon just what? banned conversion therapy, right?
0: Oh wow, that's a great right? point. Yeah, Didn't bro. they just ban oh. conversion therapy. Yeah, that's and right. And notice
3: what they're allowing to play on their uh, Prime Video. Yeah, a documentary on pedophilia. Right. What are they doing? They're desensitizing you. Oh yeah. Right? Dis- and, and here's no the way. thing.
1: Amazon believes in conversion therapy, are, but the conversion right. only goes
0: one way. Notice oh, who it oh, is. Man. It's Amazon. Oh, they are oh.
3: our media force. Yes. Amazon is a media force. They're, the me- they're using the media to de- desensitize you. Right. This is the play. Right. That's
0: why you got to join our club. <laughs>
1: <Okay>. <laughs> no, but, but, that, but, that, but notice the inconsistency. You, you can't be You can't be converted. From homosexuality, from pedophilia, right? You can't, you can't do that. And and, you can can be converted, but and and you need to understand them. That's where I'm going, though. Is but if you can understand them, you can be converted. Go back to Vody's thing. What are their names? Kirk and
3: Uh, yeah, Marshall Kirk and Hunter Matson. Yeah,
1: and they say we. These are psychologists saying we can convert America. That's right. We can convert their emotions. A complete psychological transformation. Yeah, that's and the and, way because yeah, you know the thing is they can't help
0: it. Yeah, well, it le, well, let me run this next clip.
6: Okay, this is from the film. In yes. those days, everything we knew was on the surface of the brain, but they found these large differences in the connective tissue. The layer of tissue under the outside of the brain is composed of what we call white matter. It's mostly fibrous tissue that connects the various parts of the brain together, so it functions as a cohesive whole. And there were huge differences. When we show a regular heterosexual man pictures of a nude female, certain parts of the brain light up. The visual areas of the brain light up, the face recognition part of the brain, the movement parts of the brain, the areas we would expect. When we show a pedophile a picture of a child, the very same areas of the brain light up. All of the areas that light up, both in pedophiles and in adults, are all connected through the same set of white matter tissue that my team detected being different between pedophiles and non-pedophiles. It's as if there's a literal cross-wiring in the brain. This was really the first, you know, pretty undeniable proof that pedophilia is in the brain and not going to change. Can't change. Change it. Pedophilia is something that a person does not ask for. It's biological. It's in unasked their brain. They're born with it, and we can't. Ch-
1: Notice the exact same rhetoric being used yep. by the defenders of revoice. Yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. That They're using the uh, unasked same Unasked for, yep. unchangeable fundamental to my identity yeah yeah uh, and here they're trying to ground it even in a biology
3: they're, and what they're doing hey you know how a natural man looks at a woman and yeah. just has those desires yeah, it's for natural her? it's natural for it's them pr- it's natural and so the same way that you have it they have the
1: same thing yeah. too one of the things we also need to watch out for is first of all we don't know what the lighting up means <laughs> yeah this, this, this is pure propaganda that's right. We don't know what the lighting up means. Well,
0: according to their worldview, it's just fizzing bottles. Yeah. I can't trust well, people it's who just don't rea- It's just chemical world. reactions. Yeah, exactly. But I remember. I mean, this seriously. When
1: when my daughter was was premature. Yeah. And, and we've told the story on this show. Yeah. We were asked to abort her. Yeah. And one of the things that the the neonatal specialist showed us was on an ultrasound, things lighting up. Yeah. <laughs> and they said basically percentages show that. This means that she'll have Down syndrome. No um, way. You know, this kind of genetic disorder, this kind of dis- right. genetic disorder. So you, you, and, it, like, the percentages were actually pretty small. I met your daughter. She's doing great. She's awesome. She, she's, yeah, yeah. She's 11 years old. She's healthy. But they, it was actually literally based on things lighting up
0: in the, the ultrasound. <laughs> and the percentages from it.
1: Lights. Lighting up. Yeah. Wow. So, I mean, first of all, you have to remember that science doesn't know that much. Secondly even on the biological thing. Let's say that there's a connection. Yes, Let's say yeah. that there really is they can that's really is connected to that. Look at look at guys. We already knew this. They yeah. they're telling us this already. O- original right. sin. Right. Goes all the way down. Right. Right? We have a we have a predisposition to sin. Right. Okay? This is a fact. The Bible already teaches Amen. this. Right. And this is why Jesus died and rose again. He had to die because it goes all the way down. Yeah. His body had to die because our body's infected with sin. And
0: and instead of looking to God's word to inform us about how to address <laughs> pedophilia, what they do is they get the clinical yeah. psychologists, yeah. the clinical pastors right. 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 in there well, they're to saying study it's something completely we, different. We need to study this.
1: And they're saying, Pastors, you, you don't, you don't, understand. No, you don't yeah. understand. You're not qualified. Yeah. You have to get some other source of authority, mm-hmm. some other uh, 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 trained professional. Mm. Yeah,
2: that sounds familiar. To,
1: uh, oh. Another trained professional right. to help you with this because you're not qualified. Uh,
2: if I tell you I'm a drug addict, addict, maybe you will come to me as you're my neighbor and I would like to drink a bottle of wine, and I would say, no, I, I don't drink wine because I'm an alcoholic. I would not lose your respect. I wouldn't. But if I tell you I can't take care for your son because I'm pedophilically inclined, I'm completely right, in my answer, and in my behavior, but I'm, at this moment, I'm stigmatized.
0: Completely right? By what standard?
2: Uh, by by it, what standard? And here's the thing. You know what the, the evil of this? The great
1: evil of this is that unchanging, unasked for, means that you are trapped in your sin there's no gospel there is right. no good news for you yeah. man right it's just that is wicked di- it's despair it's a yep. worldview of despair saying this is just the way sin is this is the way the fallen world is and there's no way that i can change right and mm-hmm. this is why again not to pick on pastor greg johnson but i, I mentioned him earlier yep. i want to bring it back up to you the, the, the thing i hate the most about all the revoice stuff and greg johnson is that no one apparently close to greg johnson loves him enough to tell him the truth that he right. can be free Right. You
3: don't have to live like that. People
1: are sitting there just flattering him right. and people like him. Millions of yeah. people perhaps yeah. like him yeah. right. who are tempted in various ways because guess what? We're fallen. Because yeah. right. guess what? The, the the slide the staircase of sin just keeps falling. You can't you can't look at porn as a hom- as a heterosexual and say this doesn't go anywhere. No, you can't absolutely. mistreat your own wife and commit fornication or adultery and say this doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. No, you fall down the sexual staircase. Yeah, uh, the sexual um, a debauchery staircase. Yeah.
0: Well, and here's what that that guy laid out in that video was jamming. Yeah. Well, exactly. I'm an alcoholic. Right. 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 You have no problem. I'm not going to drink him. alcohol. Yeah. But uh, then we, if I'm a pedophile... Yeah,
1: well, yeah we've been sensitized. But, po- but his point is fair because we've failed to call alcoholics to repentance. That's exactly right. This and is not a, just a disease. This is, this is a sin. That's right. And you must repent. And don't forget, how did the trailer start off?
3: They're, they're being neutral.
1: Yeah. we are yeah. yeah. not, not leaning we're not one not way or, or the other. are yeah. not condemning. And we're not saying anything tr- about people that, tr- that are That trailer is so deceitful. Well, it's full of so lies. So that's why Golly. I had to keep
3: going in the film. But, but notice, notice what he says next, though.
2: Pedophilia is part of human sexuality and what we have to tell the public is that we should not condemn the preference we should condemn the false behavior it's very important to differentiate because then we can enhance the chance to reach this group
3: that was conversion
2: yes that's wow. that's the goal. Wow.
0: That's the goal. Convert right. you. And, and so with this. No film, condemnation in my conversion.
3: Um, that's right. You're you're the one that's wrong.
0: That's right. You're yeah. the
3: one that's wrong in this.
1: And, and and notice though that that's what he. You're you're absolutely right. It's a great phrase, Gabe, to use. What they're looking for is no condemnation. Mm-hmm. Right. The problem is, is that the only place where there's no condemnation is in the blood of Jesus. Amen. Right. You, we have to tell the truth about the sin all the way down. Mm-hmm. And as we tell the truth about sin all the way down, there really is no condemnation in the blood of jesus but this is a false gospel that makes peace with evil and this is why the church must not give way Amen. Amen. And, and, and keep your eyes open guys this is a domino effect yes this is a domino effect. there are no breaks That's right. when you reject christ and his word there are no breaks hide your kids you hide, can't, hide your you, wife you can't say only this far no there's no breaks it's christ for nothing right all right, Greg Bonson next! No, oh, it's Cr- actually David! Hey, oh, okay. hey, oh. Bonson! <laughs> His
3: son, next! <laughs>
1: <laughs> classical Conversation supports homeschooling parents by cultivating the love of learning through a Christian worldview in fellowship with other families. We provide a classical, Christ centered curriculum, local, like minded communities across the United States and in several countries, and we train parents who are striving to be great classical educators in the home. For more information and to get connected, please visit our website at classicalconversations.com. Classical, Christian, get connected, get community. Don't. I don't know. Welcome back please to, to Cross Politic on the Fight Lap Feast Network. We are very grateful to have with us on the line right now, none other than the great David Bonson. He came back. He came back. We've had him on before. Yes. And he agreed to do it again. David Bonson is the founder, managing partner, and chief investment officer of the Bonson Group, a bi-coastal private wealth management team with offices mm. in Newport Newport Beach, California, New York City. I don't know what the buy-in is. Managing over 1.5 billion in client assets. <laughs>
0: okay, I can't I can't buy in. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> You're out. Dude. You're out. It David is, is
1: consistently named as one of the top financial advisors in America by Barron's, Forbes, The Financial Times. He's a frequent guest on CNBC, Bloomberg. This week he was on Fox Business yep. and is a regular contributor to the National Review and Forbes. I want to get back to the National Review maybe sometime in this conversation. Mm. He's written, his own, um, he's written his own political viewpoint blog at BonsonViewpoint.com. Didn't know. He serves on the board of directors for the National Review Institute, vice president, Lincoln Club, Orange County, or at least was. Um, he's a committed donor to a number of different um, causes. Like cross-politics? And believes Ooh. in... <laughs> he, no? You're just, just no, going to no, say no. that like I'm that. Just, I just wondered. <laughs> he believes, I'll, I'll check the books. He okay. believes that the cause of Buckley and Reagan... As the need of the hour. He's passionate about opposition to crony capitalism. Amen.
4: Yes, there you um, go.
1: He is also the author of Crisis of Responsibility, which yeah. we interviewed him about yep. on this show. Yep, and really his good. brand new book, which I'm holding in my hand, is The Case for Dividend Growth. We got two more of those around here. Investing in a Post Crisis World. Oh. Um, it's out. He's also married. Uh, they have three children. Um, normally live, I think, in California, but also sometimes in New York. Um, great to have you on the show, David.
7: It was great to be with you. That was quite a
8: mouthful. You, you got it all out there. Good work.
1: <laughs> so, David, uh, introduce our audience to your new book, uh, The Case for Dividend Growth. Why um, why did you write it and why should they care about it?
7: Um, I don't know if your audience should care about it or not. I, I, I don't <laughs> even know how to begin with that. Okay. The, uh, I wrote it because I have very strong feelings about the way that investment capital should be managed. I have spent 20 years uh, implementing the uh, philosophy of asset management that the book is about. Mm -hmm. So uh, at the Bonson Group, we now manage a little over $1.7 billion, Mm -hmm. and we utilize what we call dividend growth investing very heavily, and I wrote a book about it to just sort of do my very best to take what can sound like, a complicated topic, I don't think it is, and give regular old readers an opportunity to understand better what good, fundamental, long-term investing ought to look like, and that's what the book is about.
0: And so, uh, so define dividend growth for us then.
7: It is the idea that we want to be invested in companies that, A, are making money. Okay, so write that down. That's novelty. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All that. right. <laughs> He, he's right. Uh, he, he's going to answer <laughs> David, stupid questions. <laughs> Go the, ahead, David. The D, from the money that the company is making are growing what they're paying us mm-hmm. as the shareholders, as the investors. Okay. So the dividend is what you call your piece of the profit that you get when you're an investor in a company. And we are advocating investing in companies that year over year over year are growing that dividend that they're paying. And so it stands to reason if they're growing the dividend they're paying, they're also growing the profits.
4: Mm-hmm.
7: Uh, now, why in the world would anyone do anything different? Well, there are an awful lot of companies that pay no dividend and their stock prices still go higher and higher and higher. Mm-hmm. And of course, people can make a lot of money buying a stock that never pays the dividend, that goes higher and higher and higher, and then they sell the stock at a big right. profit. Right. And they say, why do we need your lousy dividend growth? Yeah. And my argument is that for a sustainable and tangible and repeatable and fundamental way to invest money, manage risk, and and, and faithfully execute on where the highest risk reward tradeoff is, mm-hmm. it is in those companies that are paying a growing dividend to their shareholders.
0: So it, it seems like the dot-com era really got people caught up in kind of your your latter explanation there or your uh, of, of where people would invest where they were looking at kind of you know some sort of crazy speculative stock buying hoping it drastically significantly increases over, over you know year two three years and then they would divest <clears throat> excuse me um and if people were looking for uh Uh, your way of investing, that would have maybe uh, actually curtailed a lot of problems that happened in the dot-com era, correct?
7: Well, it would, but see, dot-com is now 20 years old, Mm -hmm. and I'm not sure that it's any different in 2019 with Fang. And so for those who don't know, Fang is the incredibly intelligent and highly sophisticated acronym that the media came up with for Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google. <laughs> and so you, you have uh, four or five companies at different points. People have kind of thrown Apple in that mix and NVIDIA had a little run in the sun there so they can double up on the A or the N or something. And <laughs> yeah, done, you know, yeah. I've never really understood how much time, I don't really know how much time we're actually saving before we <laughs> use an acronym that you have to explain what's in the acronym. <laughs> yeah,
0: <laughs> yes
4: yeah
7: we're with and. So, anyways, um, in these cases, these are great companies. Most of them are, are big. Some of them make a ton of money. Like in Google and Facebook and Amazon's case, they have the capacity to make as much money as any company in human history. I mean that literally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But the point being that what the stocks trade at sometimes a hundred or in Netflix's case, two hundred times earnings. Um, you yeah, have very, very, very expensive stocks and they'll don't pay any dividend at all and i believe those companies might keep going higher in stock price i don't happen to think they will but they certainly could Mm -hmm. and yet i think that the risk people are taking to buy them at these levels is high where when you look at the various pressures that exist in the global economy things that can uh periodically disrupt people that are invested in risk oriented assets like Mm stocks. I think you have a much more favorable proposition to buy companies that have a consistent flow of growing earnings and are sharing that with us and so that's right. what the whole books about I think it's readable I think it's short yeah. and it has just enough pictures to
0: make some of <laughs> our oh. Yeah it was it was helpful to me. It was good for I, yeah it was great. It was good for Dame. Um I
1: enjoyed the book. Seriously. David so um, what are the what are some of the biblical principles that you might point to um, in 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 your philosophy and investing if if you're talking to a christian who's concerned i want to use my my money wisely i want to honor the lord with my increase i want to i want to do this biblically what are some of the biblical principles you point to even as you're thinking about dividend growth investment
0: and keep in mind i still want a (laughs) hundredfold
7: Yeah, well, if if it has to be biblical, I guess you got to tell them to buy gold, right? Is that what the... No, no, no.
1: (laughs) You know the Bible better than that, David.
7: I I do, I do. And it's something I feel so strongly about that I have the only play in my playbook is to mock it when I hear that kind of stuff. So, um, listen, it is something that between you and me... And, and the others who are listening to us right now, Five people. <laughs> um, I happen to believe that this is an unbelievably ideological subject for me mm, yeah. and anything that is ideological for me is theological. Yeah. And there is, there is rooted in my beliefs about dividend growth investing, a very serious theological foundation. It was not explicitly laid out in the book, but he who has ears to hear can detect it where they wish. The answer is that I believe most investing in equities, in companies, investing as a means, what is it you're doing when you invest in a company? You and I start a lemonade stand and someone gives us money and they want a piece of the company or we go buy some shares of Microsoft. What are we doing? We are buying an interest today in profits made tomorrow or the hope of profits tomorrow. Right. That's what equity ownership is. Is a discounting into the present, an expectation of future cash flows. Right. No problem. I'm all for it. Extremely faithful to parable the talents. Mm-hmm. We're all on the same page. That's yeah. Right. yeah. And and within that there is greater reward with companies that are riskier, risk reward trade off being Uh, proportionately correlated, very, very proverbial. Yes. So there's an awful lot of precedent for this, okay? Yeah. This is where I disconnect from a lot of modern investing, is ranked speculation being confused for risk-oriented investing. (laughs) Effectively, I believe most non-dividend equity investing – is, without people knowing this, by the way, I don't think that they're self-aware. Sure. Uh, their epistemology doesn't give them a consciousness about this. But what they're functionally doing is just hoping that some other sucker also believes it's going to go higher, <laughs> and then it's another. It's, it's greater fool theory. Yeah, I'm buying it because I think someone else will buy it for more. Yeah, yeah. it's
0: and
8: sort of like investing. Him-
0: I'm sorry, it's sort of like casino, uh, a difference between investing or or gambling versus investing in an asset.
7: And and I think that's right, although it's a difference. There is a difference of degree, though, even though I would agree with you, there's not a difference of kind. By degree, you quite literally in a casino have an assurance. That the math is against you, <laughs> yes. right? That's yes. Like that's baked in. Yes, where where I think it's perfectly logical to say no, no, no. I really believe the math is in faith and is for me mm-hmm. that more people are going to like Facebook next month than like it this month, or or yeah. Amazon, or whatever the high flying kind of hot dot stock may be. Yeah. But the point yeah. is, it is not being done on the basis of an ongoing substantive fundamental. I say in the acknowledgments, uh, to, to my children, the book isn't dedicated to my kids, but in the acknowledgement section, I make a, a comment in the book and it's probably the most, um, I show my cards in the book about the sort of worldview that is embedded in it, mm-hmm. where, where I say to them that I, I, my prayer for their life is that they appreciate the miracle of compounding um, and that they invest for what is real and not for that which is speculative and mm-hmm. receive the dividends of truth, beauty and goodness, blah, blah, blah. So, so my point being that I, I don't say that as a kind of baptized um, spiritual thing. I, it, I actually really believe that there is something real in buying companies that are growing profits and sharing them with us. Mm-hmm. And that there are mistakes that can be made. There is risk. All of those things, and yet I think it separates from a almost kind of mystical greater fool theory that drive that you know, that blatantly drives so much investment. Yeah. That's really good. Yeah, that's,
3: that's excellent. Actually, so what I was thinking about, man, I am I'm a noob in this, like serious noob. I, you're gonna laugh at me. I use the Robinhood app and the <laughs> Acorn app. Okay, I know. Shame on me. I get it, but. Uh, what, so then in light of that, would you look at something like Bitcoin and, and cryptocurrency? Would you look at something like that and say, what are you doing investing in, in those things?
7: Yeah, well, if I were being generous, I might say that. Like if I was in a good mood and being charitable, <laughs> I wouldn't even, I I wouldn't even use the word invest. Yeah. I, I would just say, do you not know? That at the casinos, they give free alcoholic beverages. Oh! <laughs> oh. oh! 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 okay.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Where's my soul? Um, <laughs> so then...
1: Uh, connect the dots real quick. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Connect Thank the you. dots for us. You're going to uh,
7: have to bring me back for a whole other episode if you want to talk about It's not something I take seriously. It's not something that uh, any grown adult who you will ever talk to could explain what they're doing or why. Um, For 30 years, we've had a sort of sociological movement in a sound money uh, crowd for why we need something less volatile than the U.S. dollar and fiat money. And so then finally, we get ready to do this. And they do what? They come into a uh,
4: more more fiat
7: creation that is by definition fiat. And in its second year of being a high-profile asset, dropped 85% in value. Mm -hmm. So um, if I got to pick between the U.S. dollar and something that drops 85% in a year, I think I'm feeling better about that entity backed by people with a lot of machine guns and and (laughs) nuclear weapons.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So how do you think about startups and all this? Um, Would you invest in a startup company?
7: Um, well, that's a great question, and, and, and it is a separate category from what Certainly. I wrote the book about. Yeah. So I believe that this concept of measuring the risk and reward is a permanently held um, theorem. You you have to accept that the greater the risk, the greater potential reward, mm-hmm. and that the inverse is true. The greater right. the potential reward, the greater risk you take on. So then it becomes incumbent on a person, let's go back to sort of a parable of the talent structure, to uh, analyze their own capacity for risk. Mm-hmm. In the dividend growth world, I argue that risk is wrongly defined, mm-hmm. that, that we are looking at the, how much one has an appetite for up and down movement in stock prices, but not the actual permanent erosion of capital. Where with startups, one has the potential to permanently erode capital. A lot of startups just don't make it. Right, yeah. And it isn't like well if you wait it out eventually to come back, well the company that goes away doesn't come back right, <laughs> right. And so I don't think that a um, an awful lot of let's say kind of middle class you know people re- saving for retirement, saving for college, uh, trying to kind of handle their their standard financial planning needs ought to be looking at startups and something that has the potential, to erode capital that they may need permanently mm-hmm. but then there are people and I'm I'm blessed to be in this situation I invest in a lot of startups and things myself that have the capacity to take on some of those risks but mm-hmm. it's all defined in the context of a more holistic and global investment strategy and so mm-hmm. And by global, I mean global in my life, like my entire financial picture. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so the answer is yes, I do really like startup investing, but I just think it needs to be in the proper context for the individual doing it.
1: That's really good. All right. I want to just turn the corner really quick. We're almost out of time. Yeah. Got two minutes left with you, I think. And I just, um, I really enjoyed this. It's a t- completely different topic, really. Sort of. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe there's some connection, deep, deep, weird connection. Um, I really enjoyed listening uh, uh, to you and Jonah Goldberg on uh, his podcast. Uh, What was that, a couple weeks ago when that dropped? Um, Yeah. uh, Talking about, uh, so, two um, national review writers, conservatives. Well, I guess Goldberg's now doing his own thing now. Yeah. But, uh, talking about the whole. Robert,
7: Jonah, just so your just so your listeners know, uh, Jonah's still very affiliated with National Review. Yeah, okay. He's yeah. Still a fellow at the in- institute and all that. Okay.
1: So, yeah. Yes, they're still friends, man. They're homies. Yeah, still. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyways, you guys had a little talk. Totally. talking in in Jonah's hotel room about um uh, the whole S- Amari, David French uh thing, and and then you know here we you're talking about you know theonomy theocracy and everything. And, um, and you were kind enough to respond to a couple of private questions I sent to you on Messenger. Um, and, I, but my, my question, just real quickly, first of all, I just wanted to thank you for it. I think it was really, it was just a fun conversation. And for the, and for the listeners and audience, uh, check out Jonah Goldberg's, um, uh, podcast and look for his yes. conversation with David Bonson. Yeah. It was, it was really fun, uh, intriguing. Um, just given the, the connections you all have. Um, but if, if you could really quickly, I mean, my, my question that came out of it that I asked you and, and if you don't mind, just kind of, Rehashing briefly is it seems like one of the basic um, the, the, the 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 discussion centers around um, issues of the structure of uh, liberal democracy, the structure of our government and our and the culture uh, or the substance of our current culture. Sarah uh, Bomari um, you know sent out this this tweet about drag queen story hour and blamed conservatives' inability to address it on David Frenchism, whatever, which is. Kind of a red herring and probably not really helpful in terms of actually getting at the core of this. But it was striking to me that you had a Roman Catholic going after a Presbyterian um, who, you know, you, you think the Roman Catholic sort of sounds a little more Kyperian um, than the Presbyterian. Um, and, and and so is that right? Or um, or what? What's your take?
7: Uh, it's, really, it's really not but I totally get what you're saying but I don't believe I would I'll, I'll grant you half of it okay I think Sorab. Of, I think Sorab of is very um, intellectually and theologically confused right now. I think he's been a Catholic for about 10 minutes by the way <laughs> but okay. he's, brand, he, he's a brand new convert and that's fine. I happen to have formulated views over the years. That sometimes when somebody goes through a major ideological transition, they ought to kind of hang tight for a bit And yeah, really absorb yeah. and marinate and 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 mature and season and what they're you know now advocating for. But but Sorb's a very smart guy, and he is. i mean, in all seriousness, he is a very new convert to Roman Catholicism. Yeah. But I grant you that he sounds quite Hyperion, not just in that um, really unfortunate article about my friend David French, sure. but also in a number a number of other things that he's written and advocating for. But I don't grant for a second that there's anything remotely non-Kyperian about what David French is advocating for. Hmm. Um, and I think that it is actually the essence of Hyperionism to state, that the greatest transitions and transformations we'll be able to affect in culture will come from our cultural uh, transformations. It's a tautology. David isn't saying let's not transform culture, which would be non-Kyperian. He's saying let's go transform culture and allow that to have the trickle-down effect into the institutions that we wanted to have. And so rather than leading with politics transform culture, let's transform culture to impact politics. Is I it, don't think that Abraham Kuyper would say anything different if he were sitting right here with us. But I also don't think Kuyper would be willing to do this interview. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, is
1: you know, In some of our back and forth, one of the things you pointed out was that our temptations in in, in a culture war like this is are either – a retreatism, or maybe a certain form of coercionism, right? And so people hear theocracy, they think coercion, um, or we retreat. Um, and But I guess it seems to me like a full-orbed um is neither of those things. And, and it, it recognizes that there's a an appropriate amount of emphasis to put on family culture and family government, appropriate amount of emphasis to put on church culture and church government, and other social institutions and mediating institutions but also that there's an appropriate um, uh, emphasis to put on um, the civil magistrate and, and the state and and there's a balance that needs to be struck there um, but but isn't, doesn't the state itself also though need to acknowledge that Christ is Lord
7: oh it does and I believe that there is a distinction between structural pluralism I believe a civil magistrate, can acknowledge Christ as Lord without stating that anyone in their civil magistrate must also acknowledge Christ as Lord. Mm -hmm. So I believe that there is room for a compatibility between a Christianized magistrate and uh, a lack of compulsion of faith into the public square. And the reason I believe that is because I happen to think that that's essentially exactly how the nation itself was founded. That both things are in fact very mutually um, yeah. agreeable because we've seen it in precedent. But but the thing the thing about the notion of a binary like well there's compulsion versus apathy and let's just find a happy medium in between. I I, I think it does miss the point of what sort of very um, his straw man about what he called David Frenchism. Sure, sure. And it is a, it's an egregious straw man. It is not that anyone who holds to the notion that we have to work within the, uh, as Joan and I call it on the podcast, the Lockean liberal order, right. that anyone believes that, um, it, it, that we, are, we are required to sit down and take it when the drag queen is reading books to our kids. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The question becomes, what are the mechanisms available to either prevent or to alter those behaviors that we consider malignant in society. And I wholeheartedly agree with David that the weapons we have are around um, cultural transformation and not using a coercive sword.
0: I I would just like to say how, how grateful I was that that conversation was so national. Oh, yeah. Like, uh, so it's a, Goldberg. yeah. It's a
1: conversation we definitely need to have. Yeah, All right. All right. it
0: was great. Just, just
1: last one, just
0: really completely random and for fun. <laughs>
1: oh, no. D- David, do you remember what books you gave to Darren Doan when he became a Christian? Oh. Oh,
7: jeez. Oh, um, <laughs> I talked to, I, I, I talk to Darren Doan so much about this stuff, and this is now... Let's see. My dad died uh, ninety five, so this would have been 97, 98. This is over twenty years ago. Wow. Um. Uh, I'm guessing I gave him "Always Ready" by Dr. Greg Elborn.
0: Uh, wrong. <laughs> I
4: think it was C. S. Lewis. <laughs> and I may have no. given
7: him. I may have given him "Back to Basics."
0: No. 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 I
7: can not uh, Why don't you guys just tell me? I think it'll make for more compelling radio. <laughs> no, no, this is great, no, This, David, is, this is, awesome. is great.
1: One more try. Uh, uh, this. Is, one more guess. Come on now.
7: See, it's a good thing to you didn't ask me what I would give him now because I have a feeling it might be different. No. Uh, oh, geez, I hope, but don't tell me I gave him Gary North. No,
4: no, no. no.
1: <laughs> oh no, no, don't worry, you're okay, you're okay. All right, I I texted him last night just to make sure that I got this right, but I think this is fantastic. I mean, Darren Doan. This filmmaker making music videos, yeah. Blink One Eighty Two. If you don't know who he is, yeah, check yeah. him out. Living uh, a pagan
0: life, Zach Brown. You know? Starting
1: to work for Tooth and Nail Records, and da- he comes becomes a Christian. He says, "I got to talk to somebody. I know I'll call. I'm gonna go see David." Goes down and sees David, and David, you gave him according to Darren, "Before Jerusalem Fell" by Ken Gentry. Wow. And uh, a little booklet on Revelation 20 by Kick. Oh and, yeah. I and and kick. the audio Bonson Stein debate. Oh, yeah. your your dad's oh, okay. De- well,
7: okay. Well, so so yeah. Let me give you. Let me defend myself. <laughs> no. I think
1: it's fantastic. Yeah. Actually,
7: <laughs> if you can text Darren this right now. <laughs> I have absolutely no possible way I gave him. A uh, uh, gentry eschatology book without a conversation preceding it, where the topic came up. <laughs> even even when I was young and stupid, and now I'm uh, I'm old and stupid. But even when I was young and stupid, I had enough sense to not feed with eschatology. Well,
1: I'll, I'll just tell you, you need to catch up with him because he says you did, and he says it was one of the best things you, th- that God did for him. I mean, Absolutely. when when he tells his testimony, he includes you in it and he tells that part of it and he says it was yeah. one of the best things that god ever did for him so mm-hmm. however it works well, no,
7: no, he, we're, both, we're both right he he i, I remember all this and and the, the thing darren's maybe not telling you is our context very early on in darren's searching phase was from the gate it, out of the gate it, it had a lot of sort of new christian curiosity And a lot of theological sophistication. And so all of these things, all of these things kind of molded together. But the the Stein debate, the Bonson-Stein debate, I've given that to uh, quite literally tens of thousands of people. So I'm sure I would have led with that. As you should. As you should. David, fun, thank fun you. Fun times. I won't say fun memories, but <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Well,
1: praise God for it all. Yeah. yeah, Hey,
3: David, thank you so much for tolerating us. for this Yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> the Case for Dividend Growth, Investing in a post crisis World, David L. Bonson. You can find it on Amazon and everywhere else, everywhere else books are sold. Uh, David, I hope you decide to come back on again and join us. I will leave that in your hands, but I
7: appreciate it. It's thank been you. fun, guys. Thank you so much, man. <laughs> Thanks,
3: More cross Politics when we come back. You need a little red meat in your diet. Pastor Doug Wilson.
2: However much we might want to obscure the issues, however much we might build great universities with trained brains to cover everything in a dark mist, however much we reward those pundits who make ample room for our lusts and opinions, at the end of the day, we have to decide if we are going to do it God's way or not. If Baal is God, follow Him. If Yahweh is God, follow Him. There are no third-party movements on Mount Carmel. Everybody is in the game, and there are no sidelines. So what's it going to be?
3: To enjoy more red meat of this kind, check out the podcast on iTunes, or for more blogging of this particular nature, blog and mayblog at dougwills.com. It kind of sticks in your teeth, though. This
4: is his
0: introduction music. What would you like? This is his introduction
3: yeah, music? Really? You want Girl, you're else? gonna do that to my boy? I'm oh, sorry, my bad. How about Come this?
1: Come on now. That's, right. That's right. Are you gone? <laughs> uh, are, you, are you gone? This is ridiculous. <laughs> this is ridiculous. Welcome back to Cross Politic on the Fight Laugh Feast Network. And just stop it. Stop just stop it. We got with us on the line Pastor Tom Buck. He's the pastor of First Baptist Church of Lindell, Texas. Amen. <laughs> in the heart of Texas. You're encouraging oh them. I You're have, encouraging them. He's been there since 2006. He was previously the senior pastor of Riverside Baptist in Florida. Uh a uh he's a graduate of Moody Bible Institute mm. where he met his wife. Mm. Uh, he also has a, right. a degree from Dallas Theological Seminary. And, oh, DTS! And his No! Re- no! We, won't, yeah. we won't hold that against him. What about her? Moody? You All forgot right. Moody. You and
0: uh, at this point, Moody's better than I D- I don't know. Guys, stop it. Okay. I'm trying to introduce our guest.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> he also has a demon in expository preaching from Southern Seminary. Ah, uh, we getting better there. And uh, he um. and his wife have uh, three... Uh, kids. Oh, they baptized?
8: Of course, they are as <laughs> <a> believers. <laughs> they
1: all believe, D- just like our kids. Uh, t- <laughs> Tom is quite the sports fan, particularly B- biblically baptized. Biblically <laughs> <laughs> baptized. Oh yeah, I see him sneaking that in there. Yeah. Uh, he's a big fan of the Dallas Cowboys. Amen. Um, America's team. And oh, he likes oh, to lose a lot. Though. I am. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm sorry. You're getting comfortable with losing. Still America's oh, team. Man. And Tom's going to be speaking at the G3 conference, which we're going to be at. in January, where we're going to be. And yeah. hopefully you're going to be. Yes. Hey, uh, Tom, thanks for joining us on Cross Politic.
8: Hey, it's good to be here, guys. And thanks for having me. We're really sorry about Gabe. <laughs> hey, That's all right,
1: uh, uh, Tom. So you're going to be um, the, the theme of uh, G3 this year is worship. And you're going to be speaking yep. particularly on uh, the role of preaching. And so, I mean, is um, is preaching really part of worship?
8: Well, absolutely. Preaching is, is central to worship. Um, I mean, we can't, there has been no worship if the word of God is not preached and the word of God is not, and the preached word is not responded to properly. Mm. So uh, that is the, everything It revolves around the preaching and response to the word of God.
1: So, if, So if somebody's just jamming in their car with praise songs, I mean, that's not really the fullness of worship.
8: No, no, not at all. I mean, I certainly am not going to try to, you know, um, bifurcate every little bit part of what worship is or say, well, someone's not worshiping. I'm sure somebody will get upset about that. But if we're talking about the, the body worship together, corporate worship, right. the gathering of God's people, then it, it revolves around the word of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and if we have not heard the word properly preached, and I think that's important, it's not just someone has preached something, but they have actually preached the Word of God, and then and people have rightly responded to it. Their worship's not happening.
3: You know, it's it's interesting you say that because you know I, I come from a very charismatic background. You went to Moody, so you got some of that still stuck around in you. I'm guessing a little bit.
8: A little yeah. Going? Okay.
3: Yeah. So, but it, you know, I forgot. I used to go to services where the singing would break out, the dancing would break out. And the, uh, for lack of a better way to say this, the spirit would fall in such a way. It's so hard to go back. The spirit would fall in such a way that the preacher would get up and be like, mm, "My, my, my, God has moved today. I don't even need to preach today. I think the Word of God has been clearly expounded on by the falling of the spirit." And we used to be like, "Oh yeah, that's so good. We just had a good time." But you're yeah. right. What What are we missing out? I mean, you got a lot of, <laughs> a, a lot of charismatic churches. I know we weren't we were going this way, but a lot of charismatic churches a is still fall into that situation where they're not getting expository preaching.
8: Listen, I've heard that not just from the charismatic round and, and I'm a Baptist, so I don't dance, but anyway, uh, <laughs> the, uh nor the, drink. <laughs> no, I, 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 I don't drink, but, but more Baptists are starting to with what's going on. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's true. But, but, but anyway, um, yeah, I, I've heard that so many times. Where a guy'll get up, and you know, you know what? I may, if I were to go back and listen to myself in the past, I've been a pastor for twenty five years. I'll bet you I have said that same stupid line if you go back to my early days of mm, ministry yeah. because it was so ingrained within me that uh, that is worship. And and I, I'm not. I bet I'll bet you that I said that before and said, man, if we we could just go home now after that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. we, we and. and and you know what, it's almost always, let me speak for myself,
2: mm-hmm. it was
8: certainly some level of patronization and, you know, you know, patronizing the the, the musicians and, man, that was good and it was moving and whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I think it's more of a filler line for a lot of guys um, than anything else. Mm-hmm. But if we keep teaching that, as we have been, people are going to begin to believe it and they have. Yeah. And so that's why you have music guys called worship pastors. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think all of those things, uh, words have meaning, and all of those things are important yeah. and and critical for us to talk about.
0: So, um, I, I think one of the problems that I see in preaching is we've also limited the definition of what preaching is. Uh, you know, it's like your sermon has to have God, Jesus, Bible, cross in it, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And which means, four, four
3: levels of application too? At least four levels.
0: Of yeah, yeah, and and which means you don't uh, speak into politics from the pulpit. Uh, how do you how do you work that out in your preaching?
8: Well, I would say this: um, all preaching needs to have good, solid application. I think we'd agree with that, right? Yes, yep, we're there. Yes, sir. Okay. If you don't have application, uh, it's not good preaching. So I don't know how that you don't at some time when the text demands it. Uh, also help people think how they apply God's word to how they think about political things. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if I'm going to apply the text to how I think about marriage and how I think about raising my kids and how I think about uh, living as a Christian in the workplace, um, how do I do that in all those arenas and never apply it to what do I do in the voting booth?
0: Mm-hmm. Right.
4: Sure. I
8: don't know how you do that. I had. A- uh, I
0: certainly. Go ahead. No, I was just saying, uh, I, uh, I think it was two years ago, or no, it was probably three years ago, when the David Dowdian videos were kind of at the peak. Uh, I was talking to a local uh, pastor in town, and uh, he was assistant pastor, and he said his pastor would not preach on abortion right now because it was too political. Uh, and, and I was like, what, what better time to actually preach on abortion right now when so, and it's in, when it's in the public square, right. everyone's talking yeah. about it, and there's video evidence of the atrocities that are going on in abortion clinics, and uh, but pastors were shying away because uh, speaking from the pulpit, they would f- see themselves as being partisan.
1: What would what would you what would you tell a guy like that, Tom?
8: Well, I would tell him several things. One, I would say that our, our preaching should always be helping our people develop a biblical worldview. Mm-hmm. I would also say that I doubt these guys. I could be wrong, but I doubt these guys stay away from hot political topics like uh, sex abuse. Sex abuse that's going on in our culture, <laughs> or racism, yeah, or racism exactly, that's, that's or whatever good. it may be. Yeah, yeah. And so um, I, I do, I do completely. I grew up in the you know the moral majority '80s, and mm-hmm. we can talk about it if you want to, and what I became disgusted with. But I became disgusted with a lot of the. The politicizing of the pulpit. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's a difference between politicizing the pulpit and and speaking the word of God from the pulpit that informs our politics yep. as well.
4: Yeah, I think absolutely. there's a
8: difference between those things. Yep. So let me, you know, I don't mind to drop names. So Robert Jeffress politicizes the pulpit. <laughs> yes, okay? yeah, absolutely. There's no doubt that he politicizes the pulpit. He's in, you know, he's in First Baptist Dallas, and I'm thankful for many things about Robert Jeffers. Yeah. He preaches a clear gospel if you hear him preach.
4: Yeah.
8: But, but I think that certainly in his ministry, the gospel gets clouded out by what the perceived politicizing that goes on there in his pulpit. Absolutely. So I think what people do is they overreact to that. And I went through a period of time that I overreacted yeah. to that kind of thing. Mm-hmm, yeah. And so we draw back completely and that's not very good. So I would tell him, hey, If the text is speaking about something in particular that goes directly towards uh, the issue of abortion uh, and how we need to think about the murdering of millions of children in our culture, in a culture that has become totally uh, anesthetized to that.
0: Desensitized, jammed, and converted.
8: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Desensitized to that. As as this has occurred, we need to be awakening in our people's minds to this reality and. Freaking their consciences with the word of God, that what really matters is not the economy, stupid. Every day, it, what matters is uh, the fact that millions of lives are being murdered at the hands of our of our nation. The blood is on our hands. I think yeah. needs to be addressed.
1: Mm-hmm. It also seems like, uh, in addition, I agree with you, and I think that the text should be the guiding thing, yeah. and, and we should not be taking our cues. That's the problem it seems with a lot of a lot of pastors and preachers that. Get things confused as they're constantly taking their cues from the world. Like Fox News. Right. And frequently for conservatives, (laughs) it's it's Fox News or whatever Trump's been tweeting about or something. Uh, But the the flip side, of course, is that as shepherds, our job is to guard the flock. And that means that we also have to be aware of the ways in which they are being pummeled Monday through Saturday with an a with alien gospels alien discipleship all all week long and so if we're not addressing what they've been attacked with throughout the week we're not being faithful shepherds
8: that's right you're you're absolutely right that our preaching that we do is a small morsel on the plate that they've been eating from all week and we (laughs) we better make sure that it's the most potent uh protein field if you will yeah uh piece of meat that they eat all week That's right. uh, because our, our people are inundated constantly with other messages and you're right some of them are extreme current conservatism that has an agenda or mm-hmm. and i'm talking about political conservatism sure or extreme liberalism on the other side mm-hmm. uh that want this that, that is battling for the hearts minds and souls of our people mm-hmm. yeah there's, so, a, there's uh, I, I got a question
0: oh, here. Before so we did he, turn, but
3: it. you just interrupted him. But go
0: ahead. Um, <laughs> They're from Texas. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Will connection. you let me talk to Tom, please? <laughs> oh, okay. Can I? Can All I right, please right. have yeah. a dialogue with Tom? Yeah. In the of Texas. <laughs> Tom, I, one of the things that has frustrated me uh, along the, along the lines that we've been talking about with with politics, and I did say frustrate, <laughs> um, that. is that uh, there's been kind of this. Um, uh, lie that's been been pushed on pastors is that you need to be winsome, you need to be you need to be tender in your preaching, you know, as opposed to being like Christ or like Paul, where you're far more potent and even sometimes, as right. the world would call it, mean, in, abrasive, in, in, abrasive, uh, confrontational. In, yeah, in, in the preaching, I think we've been inundated by this winsome, you know, of almost effeminate preaching for twenty years, Ooh. and so all of a sudden when we hear something kind of kind of sharp in our in a from a pastor we think that's mean or whatever how do, you, how do you think about that and and how do you address that from the pulpit
8: well I think one of the ways that to be honest with you and this is why I prefer and we can talk about my definition of expository preaching versus uh, consecutive preaching through books but I prefer consecutive preaching through books for for this this reason here when we preach a text, Part of what we want to make sure that we do that in our preaching, we're preaching the tone of that text. Mm -hmm. So what happens so often is I think it's wrong to do both things here. One is to take a text that is gentle and tender in tone, and just sharpen it down to the teeth where you just clawing, you know, you're biting in every single type of sermon you do. Mm So, and there are texts like that very clearly that Paul is just being very gentle with his congregation. And yep. I think, preach the tone of that text, you don't have to say, but you know that we believe in church discipline, you know, and, <laughs> and, and go down that line. <laughs> yeah. Right. On the other side of the coin, and this I think is happening too, so I think both happen, where we take the teeth out of the text.
2: Yeah, that's right.
8: And so, you know, if I'm preaching a passage, for instance, that's a warning passage, the tendency for, uh, this in particular is when it's given a strong warning to try to soothe everybody down to say, but, but, but it's, it's okay folks because we have eternal security and everything's <laughs> yeah. going to be okay. Right. 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 Just, right. Just calm down. Just calm down. You know, and I think, I think edge. you guys
0: are doing pretty good this week.
8: Right. <laughs> and I think that we need to let the tone of the text. And so when I'm preaching a text where the tone of that text is, if you will, in your face and sharp and, yeah. and, and, and warning, and maybe even abrasive. I mean, how do you tone down Paul's words in Galatians to the false teachers right. to emasculate themselves? Right. I mean, yes. right. for crying out loud. Right Now, now we do know there's extremes of that, and Mark Driscoll would be a perfect example of that. There are guys who love the passages on that have language like emasculate yourself and all that, because they're so sick of the mamsy-pamsy mm-hmm. uh, preaching that goes on there, mm-hmm. the pablum-type things that people are getting every week. But I think we've got to have – the best way to have balance in your preaching, you know how to have that? Yes. Yeah. Let God speak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you let God speak by rightly preaching his word. Mm. And there are times that God is going to step all over your toes, <laughs> and there are other times where he's going to remind you that he doesn't uh, put out a dim wick. Uh, he does right. not uh, – you know, the bruised Reed. Right. Let the word of God speak
0: amen that's really
1: good yeah we watched a we watched a video clip a little while ago um about uh, it was Vody bacham who's actually about to uh be there with you guys i think shortly uh, if he's not there already yeah. um, night. yeah talking about um the fact that frequently when pastors modern pastors address certain topics uh like racism or homosexuality yeah um they they have these elaborate introductions yeah where they sort of qualify everything. I want everybody to know I got black friends and yeah. And, and I'm not, and I'm not saying I hate homosexuals uh, and homosexuals. all this kind of stuff. But if it came to, um if it came to like uh adultery or murder, yeah. they would never do the right. same. They would never do the same kind of introduction. Some, like, no, I'm not saying I hate murderers <laughs> um, or, or, I'm, or I'm not saying I hate, I'm not saying I hate pedophiles. Like they wouldn't, like they would go, they would never qualify it. They that would way. never yeah. qualify yeah. it. They would just say, "Here's what the Word of God says," and of course, it would need to be done with appropriate biblical balance. But, but right. is that kind of disconnect what's leading to the current culture in the SBC?
8: Yeah, I think we're guilty. I think we are. Let me tell you why. I think a lot of the reasons we do that, especially good solid guys, because good solid guys are doing this now too. Yep, that's yeah, right. And they're calling it. They're calling it that we want to be winsome. Right. Yeah. And. Listen, I, I'm all for being winsome when winsomeness is is absolutely necessary. Mm-hmm. But we've about done it to the point that we're pansies. <laughs> uh,
1: so. absolutely, preach preacher, yeah,
8: <laughs> Yes. Texas <laughs> <laughs> Texans are playing spoken. Now, I'm originally from Tennessee, so that's a double whammy. Oh, yeah, so, that's um, true. Yeah.
0: So, Although
8: hey, your barbecue, Aunt coffee. is
0: good up there. <laughs>
8: So,
3: so Tom, right now, did,
8: you, I, lose, did I lose y'all? No, no, no we're right. the connection's gone.
3: Uh-oh. No, I'm <laughs> <I said> that. <laughs> that hurts. Don't ever do that to a tech guy. <laughs>
1: that hurts my, she my, she my, look Knox's face. <laughs> yeah. Tom.
8: So, but so, yeah. hey, listen, they they don't call tennesseeans volunteers because we like to show up to picnics. We show up <laughs> to fight. <laughs> they, anyway, show up,
1: uh, they show up to fight. Th- that's right. That's good.
8: So. Let me go back and answer your question real quick. Yeah. I think that we've gone—we're we, we, highly guilt-ridden right now. Now, here's what I mean by this. Yeah. I think that we need to be really careful to be um, uh, re- self-reflective at this point and look within the Southern Baptist. And I'll just use myself as Southern Baptist. I grew up with homosexuality and homosexuals were bashed from the pulpit. Mm-hmm. I didn't do that, but, but it was. It happened, brothers. I mean, it was—it's as real as the days when— you had overt racism coming from the pulpit. Yep. Mm-hmm. So I, I, and and so, of course, there's a difference. I understand that because one is in a different category right. because there's nothing sinful about ethnicity. There certainly is something sinful about homosexuality yeah. completely in, 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 its, in its very core. So let's make that clear before yep. we get letters sure. written in. <laughs> but, um, so those two things are totally different, but the attitude of bashing and berating and mocking and you know, uh, you know, is absolutely inexcusable because that's not what it means to be bold. Yeah. That's not how Jesus was bold. He did not, not mock or deride. Right. Uh, so I think that part of what's happening is there's an overreaction to that, and I think we should be sensitive to that. So it wouldn't be unusual for me to say, if I'm preaching against homosexuality, just for 30 seconds, say, guys, listen, I want you to hear what I'm saying what God's Word is saying, because I know some of you here have experienced a very different way that people have used God's Word regarding homosexuality. Mm-hmm. But you need to hear what God's Word says, and I'm going to speak boldly right now about it, but don't be listening with the ears of someone you've heard abuse God's Word. Be listening to someone who's right now trying to expound God's Word.
0: you to be faithful. So
8: I don't think there's any problem with being having a, a, you know, a, a caveat like that. Uh, especially with what's happening in our in our culture today, and yeah. what happened in the past in Southern Baptist life, does that make sense?
1: It it yeah, does. Yeah. I, w- I want to push back just slightly. Um, yeah, I, I, I agree with you, but I just do. I wanted to know, like, so. But Jesus does mock Pharisees, right? I mean, he does make fun of their robes and their prayers and blowing trumpets before they give alms. I mean, he does mock them and, and deride mm-hmm. them and make fun of them, right?
8: Okay, yeah, I agree with you on that. There is a certain level of what we might call sarcasm ch- chasm from that, yeah. But let me give you an example of um, when I was um, growing up. You know, it's true. God didn't create Adam and Eve, or created Adam and Eve, not Adam and Eve, right? I right. think that's a true sentence. You could even use it in a, in a sermon and be absolutely accurate. But if you're doing it for the intention as a punchline to get laughter, yes, yeah. with what was often done. Sure, that Jesus didn't do that. Jesus, I don't think when Jesus said those things, the crowd was laughing in a, uh, you know, beat a belly laugh beat knees and beating your knee. Yeah, he wasn't doing stand-up before.
1: comedy. Yeah, I, yeah,
4: yeah.
8: Exactly. So that's what I mean by that.
1: Yeah, yeah. No, that's um, that's helpful.
8: So okay, so but yeah, we we need to boldly confront it from the pulpit without apology. Yeah,
3: yeah. All right. Tom, What website can we check you out at or follow you on Twitter or get some updates? Yeah, on what's they, happening at G three?
8: Yeah, they can follow me uh, at, at at Tom Buck on Twitter. That's where I'm found most of the time. I don't get on Facebook very much. Every once in a while, but mainly there if they want to find me. And they'll find a deer head as my picture. It's not because I'm trying to hide myself, but uh, uh, if you think of a deer head and the particular deer head I have that that my dad killed has five points on the uh, the rack, so five point bucks. That's what you need to think. Of go get married if you marry
3: have kids if you have kids go baptize them until next week love god with all your heart soul mind and strength love
4: your neighbor as yourself go fight laugh and feast this is cross politics